If you need a Bible, raise your hand this morning. Maybe Lawrence can pass it out. If you don't, if you'll turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. This morning. So we finished our series on the six things we need to be an example of. And we're going to move on this week to verse 13, but no further. (laughs) I was thinking this week, should I finish the chapter? And one of the things I'm learning, if I try to bite off more than we can chew, I don't benefit anyone. So we're just going to do one verse today, and I think it will benefit us. But I'll start in verse 12 again. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Verse 13, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. That last word in your version might say to teaching. It actually in the Greek is teaching. It's not doctrine. So give attention, Paul's saying to Timothy, listen, you are the pastor, the head elder at this church in Ephesus. The whole letter in context is about how you should uh, run this church till I get to you. These are good things. So chapter one, grace. Chapter two, prayer, order. Men and women at the end of chapter two. Chapter three, qualifications of leaders, elders, and deacons. Chapter four, we looked at grace and what a servant of God, men or women, should look like. And here, this little verse, Paul's saying, till I come, this is what the church should look like, but till I come, give attention. Uh, Meditate upon Be soaked in the reading of my word, the exhortation of my word, and the teaching of my word. Now, I want to tell you, contextually, it's important to realize sometimes we think they've always had a Bible, right? Listen, we've only had the Bible in print for the last 400 years. They did not have Bibles. You think, well, what are they doing at church. Basically, they're reading letters or they're taking some scrolls from the Old Testament and reading through them. But you didn't get, go home and open your scroll. You didn't have one. You didn't have the letter. There was one, they read it, and they passed it around. So we think, we try to apply what our lives are today to then, but he's saying you got to give attention to the reading because They didn't have it anywhere else but when they went. That's all the word of God they had. So you think you have this great advantage. Most of us have a Bible or two or three or five or ten, right? They had none. And you have to understand that because what Paul is saying is a really important instruction to them. Okay, when you gather together, give attention to reading the scrolls of the Old Testament and the letters, the epistles of the New Testament. And we know in 1 Thessalonians, at the end of that book, Paul says to them, uh, I'll read it to you, which helps us understand even more what he's talking about. He says this in chapter 5, verse 27, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. That was church. They got a letter from Paul. They had some scrolls, they'd come, they'd read it. So he'd read, for instance, the whole book of 1 Timothy, and that would be church. They'd praise God, 
but all their learning would be coming from someone reading the letter. Those letters were probably very precious, very protected, and they weren't passed around. Oh, it's yours this week, it's yours, it's this yours. No, they read it once. And you know what? We think too, like oral history and their oral understanding of what they heard became really, really important. We don't even know how many people could read back then. And by the way, in our world today, you guys have such a blessing you don't understand. I talk to my kids who have been to Asia. There is a majority of the world that doesn't even know how to read. So we think, oh, we just give them a Bible. You go into Asia in some parts, what are you talking about reading for? Oh, just give them a Bible. They don't even know how to read, right? But we do. That's the blessing. And I guess my point to begin with is, do you know the blessing that you have in having the Word of God at your fingertips? I'll tell you this. At this age and time, you have more access to biblical knowledge, biblical truth, than any other time in history. I can do this. And this is how I study. I don't even use big commentaries anymore. I have this little thing here. So I want the Greek Bible. You know what I do? I don't pull some big book off my shelf. I say, Greek English translation. Google <laughs> pops up. I want to see it. I can get a translation in Greek to English that'll show me everything. I want a commentary. You name it. Who do you like? Well, I like what Charles Spurgeon says. Okay, look up, bang, Google. What does Charles Spurgeon say on 1 Timothy chapter 4? Think about it this way. Oh, I don't like the way Pastor Dan teaches. He's okay. But I really like Charles Stanley. He's the man. So what do you do? Okay, I'll just give, pull this baby out. Charles Stanley, what does he say on 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? I'm worried about the rapture. What should be the truth about that? Bang! You will have an audio sermon at your fingertips of probably most churches in the whole wide world. You have every translation at your fingertips. You have anything you want, and you are living in a blessed time. Do you know that? You have more access to the Bible in this country than any other time in history. I want to challenge you. But yet, we're the most distracted, the most lazy, and the most almost biblically illiterate generation there is. Okay, Pastor Judan, you're not being very nice right now. I think of my own life. I won't talk about you. How much of a chore at some times, at some points in my life, it was to pick up a life-changing book. I have everything at my fingertips. I don't even know how many Bibles are in my house. It's ridiculous. We have so many that we even started throwing some out. And I'm like, I can't do that. But after the 38th Bible in my house, my wife's like, oh, that's enough. Now, that number I just picked out of the air. But I bet you we could find probably almost 40 Bibles in my house. I'm not even including the internet. But yet, I struggle picking it up. And I have in my life. And you know what? I'm not picking anyone out but I can guarantee that you probably have the same struggle as me. 
You have the ultimate power source within your home, and you are struggling finding time to read it. I don't want to have a show of hands, but oftentimes when I do ask people, How are you, how's your reading? Well, I squeezed in five minutes today. I got one on the back of a toilet. I read a little bit before bed, but I was getting a little woozy, right? I read daily bread at dinner table to my family, and even that would be probably success. The instruction is clear, till I come, give attention to reading. And I want to say, publicly, yes, and I'll talk about that, but privately, can I tell you, exhort you, challenge you, that you should be reading your Bible? It's not a have to, it's a get to. But if you want to hear God's voice in your life, you need to pick up your Bible. You want a consistent, speaking God? He's already spoke. He's waiting. Now publicly, I want to say this. Why is it important to publicly read God's word? Why do we teach through the Bible? I want to tell you this, and I'm not going to give you the same old pat answer. But if we read a passage like this together and we say, okay, we should give attention to public reading of God's word. And this morning I read Hebrews. And this morning I read 1 Timothy 12, 13. We'll read other passages. But if we're together, here's, here's the thing. You are now accountable to one another to what you read. Okay, give attention to the reading of God's word. Now, because we did it together corporately, we should be in each other's lives saying, hey, are you doing that? There comes accountability when we do things together that is really, really important. Maybe you should put this question in your pocket for your friends. What is God showing you? Simple question. I'm not accusing you of not reading. I'm not accusing you of not praying. I'm simply asking you. What is God showing you? When we read passages about sin and not sinning, when we read passages about God's grace, when we read passages about his mercy, when we read passages about his miracles, when we read passages about his doctrine, we then are accountable together to what we have read. See how that works? So I'm telling you, privately, you've been given an anointing, 1 John chapter 2, to hear God through his word, and we should be picking it up. Secondly, corporately, we need to be studying it together. Now, we've all heard this before. Amen? Okay, let's try that again. We've all heard this before. Amen? And yet we still struggle every day. Me at the top of the list. Right? I know it changes my life. It's God's truth through the power of his spirit. We need to be in it. Amen? Okay. I want to tell you this. I think we have done a major disservice separating the Holy Spirit from God's Word. For some reason, we have people over there and we say they're into the Holy Spirit. We have people over there and we say, well, they're into God's truth. And we love to separate that. I don't know why we do that. 
but our theology does it. Well, it doesn't mean the people in the spirit doesn't read the Bible and doesn't necessarily believe the people who are into truth don't believe in the spirit, but they definitely, what kind of church do you have? Well, we're all about the truth, God's truth. What church are you? We're about the spirit. We're about the flowing of the spirit. One thing I'm learning is, and listen to me carefully, you cannot separate God's Holy Spirit from God's word. We have tried so hard to separate what should never be separated. Ephesians chapter 6 says it like this. We need to have the sword of the Spirit. Does anyone want to finish it? Which is the Word of God. The Bible never separates the Holy Spirit from God's Word. We try to do that. Oh, I hear the Spirit. I, I do. I believe in hearing the Spirit. You know what? A lot of times I hear the Spirit, God's telling me his word. <laughs> That's what he puts in my head. You know what I mean? Uh, God's Holy Spirit will never contradict his word. You cannot separate them. Well, we need more of the Spirit. Well, we need more of the word. We need more of the word. We need more of the Spirit. You cannot tear them apart. Okay? So let's not say, well, we're this camp or that camp. We're this camp. Amen? Okay. That's really important. He said, I don't read God's word. I've read it before. I'm just into following the spirit. Woo, don't tell me that. And don't tell me this. Well, I don't need the Holy Spirit. I've got God's word. Blah, blah, blah. You cannot take them apart. They are together always. Okay. So, attention to reading. At the beginning of chapter 4, we read this in 1 Timothy 4. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the flesh, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Okay, so Paul's writing. Listen, it's not good in Ephesus. It's not going to be good in the future. The reality is some are listening basically to lies, to deceiving spirits, lying spirits, and doctrines of demons. So if you're like me, my whole life, you know what I thought about that? Oh yes, that's the Jehovah Witnesses, and that's the Mormons, and that's the Christian scientists, and that's the people who drank the juice way back when, right? That's what we think, right? Like, oh, we think cult-like experience. These are the deceiving spirits. I want to tell you, I don't want you to think like that today, okay? I want you to understand that there are deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons that want to influence your mind every single day. Okay? There are lies that are coming into your mind every day. We're like, well, you know what? I know my theology. Jesus is the Son of God. Bang! I know the gospel. Bang! I'm okay. I've got my theology squared up, centered. I'm all right. God's word has set me straight. You need more than that. Because if I want to sit down with you for an hour, I bet you, if I sit down with an hour, we can find out some lies that you're believing in your life that aren't truth. And you're not a Mormon or a Jehovah Witness or a weirdo. You're a Christian who comes to Northgate, right? And your theology is good, your doctrine's good, but yet, there might be some lies 
deceiving spirits that they're li- you're listening to that aren't truth. Don't think big. Think every day. Okay? Don't think big. Think every day. Because people say, I don't need to be in God's word every day. Yes, you do. You know why? Because if you're being lied to every day in your mind, you only have one hope, and that's to renew it in truth. This book, in our generation, has become a textbook. And I'm not, I'm not kidding. We read this for knowledge. We are a part of almost a move, of an intellectual move of this. And that is, in some ways, okay, but that will not help you every day. You want to read this book for more knowledge and finding more types and and being able to say something that someone else doesn't know. This is not going to help you every day. If you're looking for a sermon for a new slant on this and that and to tickle you a little pink and to say, I found a little nugget, this will not help you that way. If you're looking to be perfect in your truth, this will not help you. Meaning, well, okay... Am I Calvinist, Arminian? Am I cessationalist? Am I not? Am I this or am I that? Just throw that right out of your head right now. Okay? You need this book because it's alive. And it speaks to you every single day of the little lies that Satan is putting in your mind. I have found people who want to argue theology who are living in sin. They're too worried about arguing being absolutely correct, and yet they're being mean and gossiping about people. To me, there's a disconnect, and you're not valuing this book for what it is. Hebrews chapter 4 says, it is alive, and it cuts you bone to marrow, meaning flesh get out of the way, emotions get out of the way. This book has the power to just zero in right to where you are at and speak into your life to dispel the garbage of how you're living every single day. Is that how you read it? Here's how I read it for a lot of my life. I got my list. I got my plan. I want a little more knowledge. I want to check it off. I want to say I did it. I feel better. Ooh, I never saw that verse before. That's not how you read the Bible. I'm on the one-year reading plan, and this year I finished the whole thing. Okay, great. How did it change your life? Great. I'm glad you did that. That's amazing. How is it changing you today? What are you hearing today. No, 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 I finished. Praise the Lord, you finished. But this book isn't a check mark book. This book speaks to us. It's alive. And every day, we need to read it, to be open to the truth of it, to change us. Not to know it here, but to be changed here. Is that how you read it? Is that how you pick it up? 
It's interesting because the next word after reading is exhortation, and I looked it up in Greek on my phone. I don't have the book right. I just have the phone. Parakletus, exhortation. That word means parakletos. It means to come alongside and entreat. So this is what we're supposed to do for each other. Come alongside each other, right? And say, don't go that way. Entreat, come the right way. So we're read, we're talking about God's word, to exhort one another, right? To come alongside one another, entreat, convince, don't go that way. I found it very curious, you might know, but it's the same beginning root word of what the Holy Spirit does in our life. In John 14, it says the Holy Spirit is given to be your helper, your counselor, your paracletus. Now, I'm starting to make this connection because I can't separate the Spirit and the Word. They're together. So what this book should do every day as you read it, step one, step two is it comes right alongside you and says, come this way. But you want to go this way. But God's word through the Holy Spirit says, no, come this way. It's entreating you. It's asking you. It's begging you. Well, how does this work? I was talking to youth last night. I struggle with fear sometimes. Okay? Now, I believe everyone struggles with fear. They're just different fears. But I can be honest about what mine is. I don't like rejection. So sometimes it's my identity. You don't like this about me, that about me. Oh, no, my identity's in that. You didn't say good job. Oh, no, who am I? That's a lie, right? Everyone agree? That's a lie. So you might struggle with something. I'm not smart enough. I don't get enough money. You struggle with money. How's God going to take care of me? Whatever the fear is, you just wrap it up. Women, I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not on the magazine. I can't meet this. Who am I? Blah, 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 right? These are all fears. So mine's rejection. And I know it. It's true. So what do you think God's word would do for me? It comes alongside me. It tells me truth. I'm not rejected. You ever read that? You're accepted in the beloved, Ephesians chapter 1. It shows me who I am in Christ. I have the deceiving spirit, the lie. Oh, listen, you're not who you need to be. Your sermon wasn't good enough. You didn't handle that situation. Lies coming in. Satan, the accuser of the brethren. God's word comes alongside me through the Holy Spirit, shows me truth, paracletus, and entreats me to believe in what's right. So every day you have this opportunity to know this book and then to think, God, what lie am I believing? And that's what I said to the youth last night. What fear for you youth are you believing? What lie, what deceiving spirit that you need to correct by simply thinking on truth to defeat the lie? And I said, every one of you has a lie in your life. And by the way, it's not one and out. Oh, well, I know I'm accepted. I don't worry about rejection anymore. <laughs> it's not true. Every day, I have to wash myself in truth. Every day, you need to wash yourself in truth. 
That's why in Ephesians 5, it says, Husbands, wash your wives with the water of the word. So what I'm basically doing, it's not that I give my wife a Bible study, but I leave my home in saying, we are going to value truth to destroy lies, and every day we have to wash in truth. You do, I do, and our family does. Otherwise, these deceiving spirits will take us down a path that will cause major problems. And all the stuff you deal with are usually symptoms of you struggling with not believing in truth. You know that? You know, some people are addicted, sex, alcohol, workaholics, money, whatever you want to take. Sometimes you're addicted to good things, to service, and you're not loving your family, or whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is, but because there's a lie, and you're trying to fix it in your own behavior instead of believing the truth, but some of us don't even know the truth because we're not picking up this book. I really believe in listening to God, but it's really dangerous if you don't know the truth because then you listen to your flesh. <laughs> and that's why you have to read it and know it here, because the lies come every day, to believe what you know is true, to wash you, Romans chapter 12, to renew you in what is right. You know, half the time my job is, people come, I'm struggling with this, uh, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with this. Well, what does God say? What does God say? What does his word say? People say to me, what do I do in this situation, Pastor? I say, well, what is God saying to you? Well, he's saying this. That's right, because his word says this. You know it. You don't need my advice. You have the greatest advice of all. I can guide you to truth, and I'm here to help you. But each of you, at your fingertips, has all truth to defeat the lies that are causing the symptoms. And this book is alive, and a two-edged sword, and it's together with the Holy Spirit. And what it does, it changes you, it comes alongside you, and it washes you every single day. Some of us haven't taken a shower for a month. We get a little sponge bath at church, right? Some of you haven't taken, that's disgusting. You haven't taken a shower in a month? Hey, let's get crazy. Some of you haven't washed yourself in years. And the reality is your heart's starting to stink. Stinky. And you're trying to wash yourself with the wisdom of the world with magazines and television and the internet to find solutions. And Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the world. And yet the church today is so full of the counsel of the world, thinking it's truth, but it's not truth. You only can wash yourself in what God has said. And his Holy Spirit, so good, it just works. So some people say to me, God damn, I think the Holy Spirit's telling uh, me that you need to do this. And I say, okay, does God's word say that? And I say, oh yeah, it does. Then I'm like, yeah, I'll take that, whether it's right or wrong. I'll take that to the bank and I'll do my best. Because it's not in contradiction to truth. And truth will wash me and cleanse me and change me. Read it. Comes alongside you. Then we come alongside each other. That's exhortation. And finally, then you teach it. See, that's what it says. Doctrine is teaching. Read. 
exhort, Pericletus, teach. Here's what happens. Okay, this book is confusing sometimes. I want to learn more. You sometimes need to be taught. And as I said before, you have the best teachings at your fingertips. Now be careful, there is some weirdness out there. But you're old enough to throw away the bones and eat the meat, right? You want to learn something, go study. Get into the book. Get into the black and white. And then as you learn, as God teaches you, you teach others. That's how the church works. We have a total... Um, I might put myself out of a job here. Um, we are dependent on a couple people teaching us truth when we have all capacity to learn truth ourselves. So, oh, what does Pastor Dan say? Who gives a rip what Pastor Dan says? What does God say? Well, you have a question. You know what I do? I go look for the answer. I go look it up. I go see what three or four people said about it. Ask the Holy Spirit. I don't understand Exodus chapter 13. Okay. You know what? You could do the exact same thing. <laughs> you don't have to pay me to go find out what that means, because I probably don't know either, when you can look it up yourself. You become lazy. I become lazy. You become lazy. And I want to tell you, you can be teachers. And it's not about the person who stands up here. Teaching is more effective each day, one-on-one. On one. We've made church a classroom when church is about rubbing shoulders. So if I'm playing soccer, Nathaniel, you want to be a goalie? Here, let me grab your hand. This is how you catch the ball. You make a W, okay, son? You make sure your body's behind the ball. Here, grab the ball. I'll show you how to do it. I played goalie. I trained goalie. This is how you do it. I learned it. I made mistakes. If I catch it like this, it goes through my hands. You got to catch it like this, boy. Right? The best teaching is you, one to another. Hey, I've been through that. I've struggled with that. I know where you're at. I know what it is to be shameful. I know what it is to deal with guilt. I was there. I know what it is to deal with this and that and the other. I know what it is. Here, let me tell you. God helped me. He exhorted me. He showed me in his word. Here's what it is. That is way more effective than me teaching you a sermon. Not that I want to get myself out of a job. You can teach one another. You need one another. Each of you has been through things that someone's going to. That's why God said, older men teach the younger men. Older women teach the younger women. Why is it? They've been through it. They've read. They've been exhorted. And now they can teach. And it's way more effective than me telling you, for instance, oh, this is how you should parent as a mother. Okay, Mother's Day is two weeks. Let me give you a Mother's Day sermon. Uh, I'll just shoot you something from your work. You need an older mom saying, yeah, your kid's disobedient. Here's what I did. Mine was too. And I did this. And it worked. And God's word said this. That is the most effective teaching. But we've made this a classroom and a lecture. And let me look at the Greek word here and let me let you know. And you're going home saying, <laughs> He doesn't have screaming kids. He doesn't have rebellious kids. He's not about to lose his job. He doesn't know. And, I, and I, again, I think this is so valuable. But so-and-so has been there. They did lose their job. They did have rebellious teenagers. Their marriage was in trouble. 
What did you do? Oh, man, God spoke to me. The Holy Spirit came alongside me. And this verse ministered to me. And you know what this means? And this is what I clung to. And this is how it changed me. And all of a sudden, one by one, together, as we're teaching, communicating, fellowshipping, we're being changed. And that's why here we believe in body ministry with the Holy Spirit and God's Word changing us. It's not about how good I do each week, though I want to do good. It's about you being changed by the Holy Spirit through God's Word, exhorting one another, being exhorted by Him to teach one another, and no one is better than the other. There's no hierarchy, and that's why we'll never have a stage here. <laughs> I'll never be up there. Never. I've spoken at camps. They put me on the stage. I said, put me on the floor, because we are all here. Amen? Paul, Timothy, listen, you guys got to get into the reading of these epistles and these scrolls and this truth. You need to exhort one another as the Holy Spirit comes along you and exhorts you in the truth of God's word. And then you need to be teaching one another and growing together. There's so many stories, and I don't want to go back there, of how revival comes through the Holy Spirit using God's word. Josiah in the Old Testament, Nehemiah. Do you know that the people, even the children who are downstairs in that day, had to stand up while they read the law of the Old Testament hour after hour after hour after hour. And we say, Pastor Dan, it's 11.41. We got to do communion yet. Um. The children had to stand in here, and you know what the Bible says? They were revived in that. You know what God's Word says? You should be training and teaching your children the truth because the lies will come. That's your responsibility. This isn't learned by video. This is, son, listen, I've blown it and I've learned, and God forgave me. This is when your children blow it and they come to you, I'm sorry, and you can say, oh, God's grace is amazing. Because I felt it. I read it. It changed me. That is the teacher, the Holy Spirit, through the truth. And it's available to me and you. I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I'm trying to, let's go. I want you to leave here condemned. I want you to leave here saying, I have a living tool that reveals God through the power of the Holy Spirit every day available to me. Every day. So this morning, I do this detox thing with Amy now. Usually, put my hands out. I know it sounds weird. <laughs> and you're like, oh, you're weird, Dan. Yeah, okay. Anyway, we saw it on video somewhere, some doctor. Um, put my hands out. I do it because it's biblical. And I say, God... Show me the lies I'm believing today. Holy Spirit, God, I've been reading your word. Now would you replace that with your truth? And then I read my Bible. Well, some days I don't read. I've read before. I'm going to read. So this morning I'm doing that. So I'm struggling with a few things. Things I talked about fear last night. You know, I talk at youth group. And those young people, they were burning holes in me. It was just speaking to them. You know when people are listening, right? Yeah, I know when you're listening. Anyways, um, <laughs> they were listening. They weren't thinking about 
others. It seemed they were listening. Maybe they were lying. You know, I'm not good. But anyways, so this morning when I talk about fear, guess what? I start fearing some things this morning. So I pray with Amy, do my detox. Okay, this is who I am in the Lord. And you know, in Joshua chapter 9 or 10, they lose the battle of Ai, Achan sins, they go on, they get rid of the sin in the camp, and the first verse of my reading this morning is this, do not be dismayed and do not be afraid, go up and win the battle. You cannot tell me that God's word is not a lie. You cannot tell me the Holy Spirit did not speak into my life what I was feeling detoxing the trash and the truth, and then it's repeated for me in God's grace to say, let's go, boy. Let's go and fight. That's what we're going to do. You don't have to fear rejection when you speak my truth. You don't have to fear anything, whether people love you or not. You go. Don't be dismayed, and don't be afraid, because we're going to win this battle. We're going to wipe out AI. That's for me. Can I tell you how many mornings it's been like that? I'm not saying every day it's that profound. But if you make it a steady habit, the Holy Spirit will come alongside the word, exhort you in truth, and then you have a choice to believe it, learn from it, and teach others. I just want to give you a few hints. If you're reading a Bible you don't understand, go give it to someone else. Here, you're better at King James? Take that. Pick up a new living Bible or something. I just want to get really practical with you. If you say, I don't understand one word, if that the... Pick up a version that works for you. Oh, Pastor Dan, are you sure? It's King James only around here. No, we're in God's word only. And whatever helps you, that's a translation, pick it up and read it. Well, Pastor Dan reads the new King James. Who gives a rip? If the New Living Translation is where you're at and it speaks to you, read the simplest version that you understand. Do you understand that? If you say, I'm struggling with the Old Testament, great, sometimes I do too, read the New Testament. Then go back to the Old Testament. I'm struggling in the book of Leviticus, Pastor Dan. Trying to read two chapters a day and I just don't know this. Okay, just put it aside, start in Matthew, and let's roll. By the way, with your kids... Don't start in Isaiah. <laughs> start in James. Start in the Proverbs. I like the Proverbs. Great. Read them every day. Detox with the truth that you learn. Can I encourage you? Buy a journal. Okay? I don't care. For me, the part of the routine, only, by the way, graph paper. <laughs> For you, though, you might like blank paper, line paper. I could give a rip. Because when God shows you something that's alive, write it down. Because we forget. Amen? Have this with this. And speak, your servant's listening. You read one chapter a day? Great. Well, Pastor Dan reads five a day. Who cares? If you need to read one or half or one verse and meditate and chew on it and that's you, don't try to be somebody else. What works for you? Pick it up. God, speak. Your servant's listening today. And I would even say, write down, what am I not, what, what's not true? God, show me what's true. God, show me. And don't write necessarily down academic information. Holy Spirit, 
Speak to me where I'm at today through your truth. You understand? These are just simple, practical things. Oh, I missed reading for three days. I don't want to read the fourth day. Don't listen to the lie. We all miss days. It's not about how you are doing all the time because life will get busy, but go back to it and don't be accused not to pick it up again. You had a bad day. God forgave you. Don't let it stop you from hugging it, <laughs> picking it up, reading it. Turn off the television sometimes. Get up a little earlier, speaking to myself. Put down the book. Read it. Digest it. It will change you. It's alive. It speaks. Find a version that you understand. Read in the amount of portion that you can handle. And please, try to systematically go through the books. So often we take one verse out of context because we don't know the whole. So if you're reading in James, one, and then it goes two, three, four, five. Okay, that's good. I'm not sure about that. Let's start again. One, <laughs> two, oh, I really like that verse. I remember that verse spoken in my life. Okay, let's not read that one again. Let's go to chapter four, five. Read the whole book. Let it come in. Study, meditate, and let the Holy Spirit come alongside you to change you. Detox, folks, every day. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you, what am I believing? Why am I tense? Why am I worried? Why am I shamed? Why am I guilty? Why am I living in sin? Why? Okay, what is the truth? God, pour it into me. Pour it into me. And tomorrow, do the same thing, because it's a battle. And again, and again, and again. And soon, the truth, as it washes you, cleanses you, and you're different because of his power. Hey, Paul says, it's going to be a while till I get there. That's okay, because you got the truth. Read it. Exhort one another in it. Be exhorted by the Holy Spirit. And teach it one to another. It truly is, as we sang, a lamp and a light. If we hide it in our heart, we do not sin against God. You're not being condemned. You're being encouraged. You have all power, resurrection power, the Holy Spirit. And you have this tool to change you. Wash, teach, live it. Amen? All right, thank you, Lord, for your grace this day and your truth. Yeah, we practice now. <laughs> Just in your own mind, ask God, is there any lie you're believing, any deceiving spirit, any doctrine of demons? Don't think big, think small. Holy Spirit, we'll just pause for a minute of silence. Maybe in your life it's guilt or shame or anger or fear or something that you know is not from God. Let the Holy Spirit expose that. Ask Him, God, show us if there is any lie. Holy Spirit, Expose that in our minds and our hearts now.
Now, Holy Spirit, would you expose truth that we've read and know to combat that? Maybe something you've heard this morning, maybe something you read this week or heard in a sermon. Maybe the Holy Spirit would bring forth the truth of God's Word to dispel that deceiving spirit. I don't know, it just keeps coming back to me. Someone's feeling shamed or not good enough in this room. God's truth is that you are His child, that He loves you, and because of His righteousness on the cross, you are good enough. Someone in this room is feeling shame. Would you replace that with truth? You, as you believe in Jesus Christ, are a child of God. You are righteous. You are holy. I pray against that lie. You're so loved today. You're loved. Not because of what you do. Because of what God's done. You are loved that's what God's Word says. While you were yet a sinner, He died for you. He loves you. God sent His only begotten Son because He loves you. You are precious. You are His jewel. Know that truth. Turn to that truth. Live in that truth. Live in that power. You are accepted in the Beloved. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. And as you believe in Jesus Christ this morning, you are holy. You are holy. Maybe someone doesn't believe in Jesus. The power of the Gospel is that you will be set free by the truth of what Jesus Christ has done. You need to commit yourself to Him and believe in what you're hearing. You need to repent from your thinking in your way and say, God, I believe in You. I trust You and I want to follow You. Is that you this morning? Believe with your heart. Confess with your mouth. Tell someone at some point today you believe. Lord Jesus, may we not be drawn away. Depart from you. May we know your truth for your glory. We'll celebrate Jesus the morning. this morning. The elements are in the back. No greater truth than celebrating communion. No greater truth than knowing that you're loved, the sacrifice of Jesus. And if you don't usually take communion or you don't understand it, I would encourage you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you need to take the elements and remember that you're so loved, that you're so forgiven because of what Jesus has done. We're worshiping Him. The elements are in the back. Randy's going to sing. Continue to think on the truth of Jesus Christ this morning.